Whistle, Tales from Azeroth. As always here at the Pig and Whistle Inn in Stormwind, I go for a variety of subjects with regards to World of Warcraft. So grab a bottle or a pint, sit back and enjoy. Today's subject, we're going to be going over something a little bit different. It's going to be sort of a guide, as it were. Sort of a TBC gold-making guide, what you can do to get the most gold in TBC, what's happening in Shadowlands recently. And yeah, it's a different style of um, podcast, I'd say, because it's not necessarily the show in which we give out guides. They're usually for Patreon members. So, you know, a little plug to the Patreon right there, I'm just going to say it. But let's get straight into it with the weekly stuff that is happening in Shadowlands first, and then we can get into the TBC uh, part of it. So, weekly boil boss this week is Oranamon... Oranam... I hate saying this name. Oranomonos. Oranomonos. He is the world boss. He's an Arden wield. 250 anima potential pieces of gear to get so definitely go and take him out the weekly event for this week is shadowlands dungeons so you'll get an extra piece of gear in shadowlands dungeons when you complete them the mythical fixes for this week are tyrannical raging explosive so tyrannical the bosses and the mobs that they summon are empowered raging is when they get to a certain percent health they will enrage you causing a hundred percent more damage and explosive are little fiery balls that you just got to kill off in one hit. If they explode, they hurt. Don't let them explode. Nice and simple. The Dark Moon Fair is also coming to WoW this week. It will be on the 4th to the 10th of WoW. So definitely be sure to stay tuned and keep an eye out for anything that you want at the fair. And a little bit extra on the sort of weekly stuff. But what has happened in Shadowlands recently is 9.1 has dropped. It took about eight months, but it, it's finally there. <laughs> so as uh, 9.1 is out now, there is obviously sort of a fixture list, sort of a roadmap, as you were. And uh, it all starts on the patch day, which was Wednesday for EU, Tuesday for NA. And... Uh, what the first week of 9.1 entails is basically you can progress through the newest chapters of the Shadowlands story, which is Corthia and everything that that entails past the Odin storyline, stuff like that. You get your new abilities and uh, sort of renown. So the new abilities will be PvP based and there might be some that are completely reworked there might be reworked legendaries and stuff like that as well so make sure you check out your legendary make sure you check out your latest spells in if you're in war mode because some will have changed and you might have gained some better or new abilities and uh, Torghast is also updated so it's got different layers it's now going up to layer 12 I believe and you can do layer 9 this week and that progresses each each and every week until you unlock that final layer. So next week you'll have layer 10 that's available to you the week after layer 11, etc. up until 12. And uh, this does have a scoring system as well as uh, the newest uh, currency, the Solar Cinders, I think that they're called. But the scoring system, I'm going to talk about it a little bit because... 
I have gone into Torghast myself this week and done it. I, as a druid, speedrun it, so I don't necessarily kill all the mobs. I just get a few power-ups, go to the boss, convoke it. It's dead, nice and easy. So the scoring system is basically a upgrade, a permanent Torghast upgrade, kind of like the stuff that you bought from Venari. But this uh, is a talent tree sort of thing. So you'll have a couple quests to do and you'll get a quest to bring this mystical box to the rune carver. And pretty much what this box does, he, he says place it in like my room pretty much. He So you've got this little like floating puzzle box in there now. But the scoring system within Torghast will give you a certain amount of this currency like Torghast knowledge or something. It's something along that line. And you use this currency to buy permanent upgrades within Torghast. Now this can be reduces in the number of um, torments, which it is now. It's no longer a death counter, as Terragru is in the raid. It is now torments. You've got certain things that happen within that layer run. So you can reduce the amount of torments you get. You can get a little bonus. You can get some extra damage. You can get more empowerment, that kind of thing. So that's kind of what the um, extra scoring system is all about within Torghast. On uh, the 6th of July, this is for NA, the 6th of July by the way, it will be the 7th of July for EU, but uh, Tazavesh, the Veiled Market, is uh, the uh, Mythic Mega Dungeon that they're bringing out that will become available to the player base as well as the Sanctum of Domination raid on both normal and heroic difficulty. So if you really want to progress that mythic, you better hop in there as soon as you can. And you also have the Mythic Plus and PvP seasons starting again. So Mythic Plus obviously resets every season, as well as the PvP and their weapons and armor sets come along with them. So be sure to look out for next week. Hop into Tazavesh, have a little bit of fun with that dungeon. It does look pretty fun. There are loads of mounts and stuff to collect. So definitely head in there and check it out. And then the third week and the final week that they're releasing sort of content is uh, the Mythic Sanctum of Domination raid. And this will also include, obviously, Race to World First. So if you are a big fan of the Race to World First for Mythic raiding then that is the day that you want to check out because it is uh, the 13th, Tuesday the 13th for NA and then obviously EU teams will get it a day after. But that doesn't stop it from being a close race. It never has done. So a lot of good things happening within 9.1 at the moment. I've played a bit of it. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Um, Obviously I'm going to need a lot more to go off of but from the starting point of where you're at I've encountered a couple bugs already but hopefully they get hot fixed but it's not too bad there's enough content there to keep you going if you are sort of a casual gamer on Shadowlands like if you come in after work you've only got sort of an hour or so to play it'll take you a few days to you know really punch through all of the content that there is there but if you're a really hardcore gamer, you get it all out of the way and then you're like, well, Blizzard need to make more content. This is ridiculous. This is so stupid. That kind of thing. So I think 
I think there's a healthy amount at the start to keep you busy with the whole tour gas and stuff. I myself have been playing some arenas and what I've been doing is playing around with the new PvP talents. Uh, some of them are really fun. They're not necessarily useful in some ways, but they are still fun. You've got, like, I play Boomkin, for example. So I got a new PvP talent called Starburst. And what it does is when I use Starfall, it puts these little astral stars on the floor. And whenever someone runs over them, they get knocked up into the air. I can also pick them up and just run into people with them to knock them up in the air. It's quite good, but I feel as if it's not worth the astral power that it costs. Because Starfall is obviously uh, costing astral power and you could use that to send in a star surge or two instead so it might be more useful in terms of appealing mechanism if they're after you it might be more useful but again it's just fun it is an off season so currently the season one is complete but we're not in season two your rating still changes as though you're in season one but nothing uh, matters pretty much within the week so it's a good time to hop into arenas, practice and just have fun with the new spells and abilities that we've been given. And it gets you used to like loads of different classes as well. I mean, I came up against a monk that had a giant red Zuen like tiger and it literally looked like bestial wrath from a hunter and I was so confused. I didn't know what the hell that was. So it's about learning what's new for the other classes and what's not, etc. I think there's a lot to do in 9.1 at the moment. Some bugs, there always will be, there always is within a massive game like this. You change one bit of code and suddenly you've, you know, broken 20 raids like in that night. Like um, when 9.1 hit actually, I've apparently, I've heard this. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I'm pretty sure that it is. But when 9.1 hit, people tried to run old raids so Molten Core, for example, they walked into Molten Core, they hit a mob, and they absolutely got obliterated, which is absolutely hilarious, by the way. Imagine you're just rocking up in all of this like amazing gear, and then this one little molten giant at the very entrance of Molten Core just slaps you about like it's nothing. So that's kind of um, entertaining, not going to lie. Once again, it's spaghetti code. You mess with something, something else 20 years ago is going to get messed up. It just happens. There's nothing you can do about it. They'll they'll sort out the little bugs and stuff. But I think there's enough to keep people going in 9.1 for now. Well, certainly myself. I'm just happy with PvP changes. And, you know, a couple legendaries for me looking down the line are really good. And I've got my eye on that. So that's kind of my 9.1 at the moment. So, let's go into the main sort of subject of this. TBC. TBC is going pretty well. It's been out for about, yeah, just over a month now. And I'm quite happy with it. So, I've got to level 70. I've got my flying mount and stuff. I'm currently leveling my ult, my first choice ult, which is a paladin. Mainly for that AoE farming, which we will get to later. But it's not been too bad. Gold obviously can come and go in massive chunks in TBC, such as Epic Flying. Like, I went from 6k gold to absolutely nothing. That hurt. That really did hurt, I'm not going to lie. 
literally went down to about 200 gold from 6,000. And uh, being below 1k really freaks me out, uh, just personally, because I like to have a little bit of a stockpile. I like to hoard it like gold. So I like to have a lot more than what I necessarily need. But, you know, it's just one of them things. So with... uh, TBC Gold, like I said, it can come and go. I personally went down all the way, and now I'm back up to like 3,000 or something, just from passively farming. And there's a lot of things that you can do for gold. This can be after you've got your flying mount. This can be before you've got your flying mount. This uh, is obviously a lot more, or it's a lot easier when you do have flying, especially epic flying. But these are also... Just something that you can do while leveling, while out in the world doing your quests and stuff. We'll begin with just moats. So moats of water, air, fire, earth, mana, shadow, all of that. They're very valuable. They're used in a lot of recipes, mainly for uh, transmutes as well. If you look at, say, a transmute, a primal might, that takes one earth, one fire, one water, one mana and one air i believe i didn't say air so it takes five primals which is 10 moats and these primals usually go for anywhere between the less valuable ones are the moats of earth and they're five gold per one and they can go up to something like 40 gold per primal air or something you know primal shadow that kind of thing Primal Earth, obviously, a lot more easier to gather, as it is in most minerals, and there's loads of mining being done right now, whereas moats and primal shadows need to be farmed by killing mobs in the open world, which can be contested a lot more so. So, moat farming is definitely a way to earn potentially a lot of gold. There's multiple different locations in which you can moat farm. There's... uh, the water elementals in Nagrand, fire elementals in Nagrand, air elementals in Nagrand. Nagrand's got it all, to be honest. Uh, there's shadow elementals in, or shadow void walkers, I should say, in Hellfire. There's loads of different things. There's the mana ones in Netherstorm. So they're all out and about in the open world. It's just finding the right time and the right moat to farm at that time because everyone might be trying to farm moats of fire but you know there might be no one looking to farm moats of water so you've got to adapt to that sort of thing and you'd get a lot more out of it another thing that you can do with moats is obviously if you are engineer you can make an extractor so throughout outland there are these i like to call them little fart clouds because well that's what they are they're clouds of far but um they're just little clouds that float about you wouldn't pay them any mind to be honest i certainly didn't i was just like oh what do they do they seem very interesting and then by the time i got to like level 68 i didn't have my extractor still and i'd probably run past about 20 30 of them which i could have really used for that extra gold for the epic flying but i'm not gonna um not gonna linger on that so 
the extractor, what it does is basically use it. It's a two second channel and you get a moat out of this fart cloud. Now, depending on what zone you're in, they will have different types of moats. So in Zangamash, these little fart clouds will be more blue and they will be moats of water. In Nagrand, it will be just a pure cloud. So they will be moats of air. In Shadowmoon Valley, they're moats of shadow. In Hellfire, I would imagine it's moats of fire, but they're tough to find. I've not seen one, not going to lie. So I highly doubt they exist. <laughs> I kind of want to say that they don't, but I'm probably going to be proven wrong there. So whichever zone or whichever moat that you wish to farm, you can do so in these zones with this extractor. It's just about knowing where these clouds can spawn and uh, being at the right place at the right time, pretty much. So moat farming is definitely a very good income source. And if you've got, say, like herbing or mining, while you're farming these moats, wherever you are, whether it be at the top of Nagrand, whether it be Hellfire Peninsula, fit, um, farming moats of shadow, there will always be nodes and uh, herbs that spawn around you for that extra bit of gold. So definitely make sure that moat farming can be your top priority because if you're looking to level professions as well, they are useful in doing so. The next one is quests. Now you might be thinking, okay, we just do quests when we're leveling. What's the difference? So when you hit to set, when you hit max level, uh, yeah, 70. I forgot what max level was for a second. But when you hit max level, the quest rewards, the they generate more gold. So instead of it being five gold or like two gold 99 for a simple hand, like talk to this person who's like five feet away, it'll give you five gold. If it's like a kill eight boars for five gold, it'll be for 10 gold. That kind of thing. So it, I'm pretty sure that it doubles the gold amount. And then in a later phase, what I've heard is that it would... Uh, the experience that you would get from that quest is converted into gold. So pretty much you're going to get an extra 10 gold on top of these quests. So in at a later phase, you will get more gold from these quests. But to be honest, waiting for a later phase is not the best idea. Mainly because the later phase is well, nothing's going to be really important to buy, in all honesty. You're going to probably already have all the gold that you need, so the quests that you do now aren't necessarily going to matter in the long run, and it's better to do them now and, you know, get all the sort of gold-making stuff out of the way and set yourself up for TBC rather than, you know, worrying about how much how little gold that you have now and yet looking at all of these quests, seeing that you've got like 20 gold rewards, 30 gold rewards and stuff like that. And thinking, oh, I just really need that extra boost. It's worth doing them now rather than waiting three phases, I think, until that extra gold boost. But, you know, it's all down to you. But quests at max level, 100% worth it. They give so much gold. I think I worked it out actually for myself. So I did no Blade's Edge mounting quests. I did no Shadow Moon Valley quests and I still had a few, you know, quests dotted about here and there. I worked out to about 1,000 to 1,500 gold from doing all of the quests in Blade Jed's Mountains and Shadow Moon Valley. 
Now, this might not seem a lot to some people, might seem an absolute fortune to others. It's a good chunk. It's a good chunk and, you know, you can just do it mindlessly. While you're just watching YouTube on another monitor, if you've got another monitor, while you're listening to a podcast, while you're listening to some music, you can just go about your day, you know, doing these quests and gaining passive gold from them. Not to mention the, uh, what do you call it, the loot and stuff from the mobs that you're just going to passively generate gold from. You know, you could even get lucky, you could get a world drop, you know, a world epic. So, just quests in general... The loot that they bring from killing mobs is just brainless, to be honest. It's nice to do if you want to just relax and carry on about your day chilling out with him well. Let's take a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action-adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes, it doesn't quite work. And you, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now now this one's very class specific but you have aoe farming so aoe farming is obviously very tough for some classes a lot more so than others. Mage and Paladin excel at AoE farming. So there's been a recent discovery of a Paladin AoE farm, and this is in Stratholm. So a level 70 Paladin walks into Stratholm. You know, you've got a couple trinkets, you've got a really good shield, either the Sporgar shield, Skullflame shield, that kind of thing. You do three big pulls, you walk out and you reset the instance. Nice and easy. Passively, you get about 15 to 30 gold. Just from the silver that you loot from these mobs alone. From uh, the items that you loot, you'll get about, in one run, about another 15 to 30 gold from it. And, uh, you know, you can get world drops from this. And the amount of mobs that you're killing, if you do five lockouts within the hour, you kill, I think, something like 300 mobs per run, five, yeah, like a substantial amount. I'm trying to do quick maths, 1,500. You'll kill about 1,500 mobs in these five runs. And the chance of you getting an item in that sort of pack, in that pack, is insane. Like a really good item, not to mention if you're an enchanter, you're killing one of the bosses in there as well, the Unforgiving. And that can give you like a guaranteed large brilliant shard, which on my server goes for about, I think about four-ish gold. So you can stack up on them, get 20-ish, and suddenly you've got like 80 gold right there, just from large brilliant shards, not to mention vendor trash. Overall, you're looking at something like, 30 gold 50 you're looking at about 150 gold just from vendor and raw silver like alone and this might not seem like much again but 
there's always uh, this is the lower side that I'm doing the calculation from. The higher end of this is double, so 300 gold per hour if you're getting lucky with you know raw silver drops, all the trash drops from the mobs, etc. So doing this, you know, just an hour a day after say what a week you know you do this an hour a day for a week you've got 150 300 gold you've got about 900 yeah about 900 1500 gold in a week just from doing one hour every day for a week which is in quite a bit like that just passively if you just park a paladin outside stratholme you can do a lot of damage with that in terms of the economy Forget bots, you know, that's the true danger of uh, Pala AoE farming. So yeah, AoE farming is still very much in in fashion for paladins and mages. Mages obviously get it a little bit tougher because Blizzard was nerfed. But, you know, mages will always find a way. I obviously main a mage in TVC and mages always, always find a way to AoE farm. Well, I certainly will try. But there's loads of AoE farms for mages that you can do. Slave Pens is a really good one that a load of people have been trying out and succeeding with. And I think a lot of people have been trying to do stuff like um, Shattered Halls even, if there's like pools for that. Then there obviously are going to be pools that people will find and they will just get even better throughout the expansion, mainly because gear increases as the phases... Um, are unlocked and you can just do a lot more with better gear that kind of thing so aoe farming again is very much up there very much on top and prominent within tbc now this might be a bit of a weird one but healing and tanking services now this is a kind of a specific time but i'm thinking more late at night so bear with me on this there seems to be an extremely short or shortage of tank and healers that I've noticed in TBC. Now, I've obviously been playing quite a lot. There's tanks here and there throughout the day. They are still quite rare throughout the day. But if you're looking to do dungeons past sort of 10, 11 p.m., finding a tank and healer is very, very tough. You've got to be quite lucky to find them two roles so you can actually if you are one of these people who are a tank or a healer you can ask to sell your services it'll be like i don't need anything from the dungeon but i would be willing to tank for a fee so say 20 gold you know something like that because people might be very desperate to do this dungeon loads of casters want to do slave pens and barely any tanks and healers do to be honest Mainly because Slave Pens has good caster gear compared to, say, like tank and healer gear. So you can definitely sell your services in these sort of dungeons. Like in many other dungeons for casters, like there's not a lot of caster gear in there. You're looking at a melee heavy group. So, but because DPS are so all over the place, like you can get one within a minute or two, no matter what time you're asking, like you can't charge this fee unlike tanks and healers there's just none of them at the moment i'm not too sure why there's um so few but i would imagine tanks and healers are very much people's alts 
um, in classics. So it might be a couple months until we see said alts, you know, tanking and healing. We might get an influx of tank and healers throughout classic or classic TBC as people level up their alts who are them specializations, etc. And finally, professions. A lot of people are leveling their professions right now. So professions in terms of leveling leveling your own to sell the goods that you make or leveling or professions as in selling the materials for these professions. So, you know, alchemy requires herbs, so fellweed, uh, ragveli or whatever it's called, that kind of thing. For engineers you have mining blacksmithing you have mining so feline ore adamantite ore thorium corium ore is really good i said thorium thorium's in classic god i need to get that out of my head already and corium ore corium is very rare by the way if you see one definitely tell a minor friend to come and pick it up for you or you know log over and try and get there as quickly as possible very rare but a very good mineral you definitely want to get that as much as you can. Even if you have alts that have very good professions, such as tailoring or alchemy, you can and should, if you want to just make a passive income, level their professions to get the transmutes from them. So the transmute for alchemy is the primal might, and this goes on my server for about 120 to 150 gold, and what it costs to make is about 100 gold, I'd say, overall. But these are made from the, like I said earlier, the primal might or primal earth, primal fire, primal air, primal manor, primal sh- shad- water. Primal water, yeah. It's made from them five primals and you can just farm these passively as well. So about five to ten minutes of farming might add up to say 150 gold and it's just passive income pretty much that's the same with tailoring you've got three different types you've got the spell cloth and all of that stuff and they go for about i think just under 100 gold about 80 to 100 gold on my server so all of these transmutes are very very um good to get into early on because obviously as more people learn these transmutes the price of them will go down so you want to be in that sort of um category of having the transmute at the very start of the expansion rather than later on when the price is halved or whatever it will eventually obviously just stabilize at a certain price but you want to be in there quick before it does stabilize and get to a certain point but that is all for this week. It is a bit of a different one. It is sort of a guide as well as a news type thing mixed in there with 9.1 in Shadowlands. So a bit, you know, all over the place with this one. Next week, I'm hoping to do another interview. At least that's what I'm hoping to do. Things might change, but keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for the Patreon podcast if you are a Patreon member. Keep an eye out for streams, uploads on the YouTube, absolutely everything. Definitely check out the website. Everything is on there for you to find. Thank you all very much for listening as always. Go with Valor, friend. Goodbye, all.